Football is back, and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Loving it. Top of the morning. Vibes upon vibes. Top of the afternoon. We're Listen. running late. We're <laughs> <laughs> running so late. It's morning, it's morning somewhere. It is. It is. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Getting that booster. If you can, if you can get that boost. Exactly. Do you know what? I started humming <laughs> randomly yesterday when I was making a cup of tea. What's that? Give me the boost. Give me the boost. <laughs> Let's do some admin super quick. Uh, first of all, thanks to everyone who ordered those Stadio sweaters. They are currently in production. will be shipped out to you within the next 10 days or so. Once we've got a total of how much is being donated to the Trust or Trust, we'll let you all know. TheRinger.com forward slash soccer for all of your footballing needs on The Ringer. Stadio Watch was placed on Spotify, all the music we play out on each episode. And... The Stadio newsletter. If you want to get the newsletter every Wednesday, go to stadio.football, scroll down to the bottom, pop your email address in. You might get a conf- uh, you'll get a confirmation. So just check your spam or junk folder and also check your spam or junk folder every Wednesday afternoon, UK time, U- European time, if you haven't got the email. Uh, we don't pass the email on to anyone. It's just for us to send you stuff. There's going to be no writer's house this week. Sadly, Ian's mum passed away on the weekend so we're not going to do a rise house this week uh, lots of love to Ian and the family hope he's, yeah, hope he's doing alright yeah. but yeah today we've got a lot of football to get into so let's maybe do it after this this episode is brought to you by Viore I love sports I know you do too I also know that lots of you exercise but if you're like me and my wife the, the beloved sports gal you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. 
Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right, man. Shall we begin with the FA Cup final? Because we have to. You were there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, shout out to Alex Eckhoot of the Premier League for having me along. Absolute joy. Uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time. Just a great group of people um, up at Wembley, including the very own, the right house very own, Flo Lloyd Hughes, who was there in full effect. Becky Taylor Girl as well. Great to see her coming through. Flo was absolutely loving it because she was sat about four yards away from Christy Muris. Wow. Goodness. Do you know what? It was an amazing atmosphere. Just over 40,000 people there. Do we um, need to give the, should we give the context for a lot of people who don't? Yeah, let's do it. Let's right, do it. Let's right. get so it. Yeah, yeah. For, just to clarify, this was the 2021 FA Cup final pushback due to COVID related fixture congestion, which means that Chelsea, obviously being Arsenal 3-0, completed the domestic treble, League Cup, Super League and FA Cup. The date was significant. The FA chose this date because it was 100 years to the day that the FA banned women's football in England. There's been plenty of amazing writing around this fixture. I would recommend going and reading all of it if, if you're not aware of the whole history of the women's football ban in England. And there were over 40,000 at Wembley, which I think is absolutely amazing. Let's go to the game because you were there. I was watching at home. This was an absolute schooling. From Emma Hayes and Chelsea. It's a demonstration. This was a, de- this was a clinic. This mm-hmm. was a clinic. I mean, where do we even... Is it Leia Welty played a pass after two minutes and I was sitting uh, with my friends and I turned to them and I said, that is a pass of fear because it was a crossfield pass which any one of Chelsea's forwards who were pressed so aggressively throughout could have run onto. And I was like, this is danger right here because... There's a lack of passing options, a lack of passing options on. You don't play down the line, you play centrally. And Arsenal kept doing this and I couldn't work out what was happening. And I think that tactically, if you look at what Chelsea were doing every single time, and Arsenal got onto the case in the second half, they never quite got momentum going. It just felt like when an Arsenal player got possession, there were three Chelsea players closing off all decent passing angles. It just felt like that all the time. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. I thought Chelsea... Like a, like, a, like a spider web everywhere, all over the pitch. I, I completely agree. Um, Frank Kirby taking the lead after just three minutes. Lovely finish. And Chelsea really could have had more in that first half. Sam Kerr hit the bar, I think, in the first half. It should have been 3-0. Sam Kerr had, I would say, three extremely presentable opportunities in the first half. Sam Kerr always um, does this, though. We said this, we've said yeah. this. Sam Kerr is an interesting one because her movement is so good that she gets into these positions, right? When she's breaking on the counter or when she's finding space in a congested area, she finds the room. And Mm -hmm. so she will miss these chances. And this has been a thing that's funny because I I didn't watch her that close until she arrived in WSL. That was mostly highlights because it was different time zones or whatever. But watching her WSL, it was always something that struck me. Like the position she would get in, and because Chelsea generates so many chances, because she stretches so many uh, teams, she will get her moments and she will put a couple of those away. And in the meantime, even if she's not playing this way, she's dragging players out of position to such an extent because she's such a worry for opposing defenders that other players feast 
She got the player of the match award at Wembley. I think that was unfair only because I think that there was an even greater masterclass going on and that was Fran Kirby. Fran Kirby was astonishing. Mm. She was astonishing. The one benefit of being at a game as opposed to watching it on TV is you see the game from the top, right? So you see the pressing, you see the players stepping towards and stepping away. What you realise when you're watching the counter, Fran Kirby is breaking it and you, you know she'll make the correct decision. And even when you're up in the stands, you're watching and you're like, she'll play it there. And she plays the pass that you haven't seen. Time and again, time and again. There's a pass she played in the first, there's a pass she played in the first half, actually. She slightly overhit it, funny enough. It was to Sam Kerr on the inside left channel. But the vision to play that one when everyone thought she would go right mm. was unreal. And there was a point as well when she was pressing in the second half, because she got, well, basically she, she essentially decided the game because she had a goal and an assist. Um, for the crucial second for Sam Kerr, which is a beautiful finish at the near post. But I just want to say that this, there's a point when she was pressing where it felt like almost, is that a Fernando Redondo quote that um, <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson said, he's got a magnet Drink. in his boots. <laughs> yeah, it, it <laughs> felt like she had a magnet. Redondo <laughs> she had a magnet in her boots. She was pressing um, an Arsenal player in the second half and she pressed with her right foot and then stuck her left foot out and it went to her left boot. And I said, this is, this is like, it's like mass hypnosis. It's like a mass hypnosis. <laughs> so yeah, she was outstanding. That Arsenal back four had a, had a bit of a torrid time against this Chelsea lot, especially Jen Beattie and Lottie Wood Moy. They, they kind of, um, it was a long afternoon for it those was, two in it? particular. It there was a lack of midfield protection though, Ryan, as well, because it was a systemic fail. It wasn't just the fullbacks, right? The central area, Ryan, the mouth, I mean, look at like Wright and tucking in defensively and you look at Ingle and um, loopholes much closer together. The Arsenal central midfield was scattered, Ryan. Yeah, Leo it Velti. Felt like, and does that make sense? That yeah. Leo Velti was almost in fullback positions, almost doubling up. And it was like, there was this gap of, and it sounds weird, but when you've got like a game like that, which is so tight, um, well, it should be tight. And there's a kind of, there's a lack of match control. You expect the central midfielders to get closer together. They were routinely, I don't know what the heat map was like, but routinely, it was like they were being repelled by opposite ends of a magnet, to be honest. Mm. There was, um, that, there was yeah. that thing, like, uh, Jonas Odeval switched something about 25, half, 25 minutes in, mm. half an hour in, I think it was by memory, mm. uh, from memory. And Arsenal did improve. They had that best period in the, in the kind of second half of the first half, if that makes sense. But then that kind of all went out the window again. After, Do you know what's funny? You, know you could tell it was happening because Emma Hayes stood up. He was standing at the very corner of his technical area for the first 20 minutes. And then she came and stood and she went actually outside the technical area and she was like almost on the pitch because they conceded a corner, which was unnecessary. And you could see her feel the lessening of intensity of the Chelsea team. She's like, you've got complacent, you missed chances. And she looked, you know, very much like, very animated and didn't really sit down until the end of the, um, again, this is why I love like watching games from that perspective. Mm. You then saw her body language and he kind of sat down because he was like, I've said what I have to say. And he sat down for like 20 minutes. It was interesting to see the kind of ebb and flow through their kind of movement. Almost watching their heat maps, I think, was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I mean, that's actually a thing that needs to be done, isn't it? Like <laughs> managerial heat maps. His body language is interesting. Body language at first was very much like jacket. Um, we were noting actually, me and my friends were like jacket, um, hands in pockets, mm. a very sort of professorial. Mm. And by the end of the game, hands behind back. By the end of the game, it was it was fascinating watching his body language, the animation. He had those like those cards. He was showing different colors and like move here, move there. 
and signaling. And they were like, oh, what do you think he's doing? And I said, I think he's marketing. I think, I think because <laughs> he's using these bright cards. So if it works out, it's like, oh, behold, my innovation. <laughs> um, you mentioned Frank Kirby before. Emma Hayes yes. said after the game that she's a national treasure and we have to protect her at all costs. And She I said it agree. was the best Frank Kirby performance she'd ever seen. Yep. And do you know what? I, and obviously Emma Hayes watched a lot more Frank Kirby than I have. This is the best friend Kirby I have ever seen. And I'm someone who's a huge, huge fan of her work. It was a dissection, whether pressing, whether finishing yourself or whether supplying, it was just endlessly mobile, dragging players. And the funny thing about Frank Kirby, or just in a, it, not, not, not in a mocking way, is Frank Kirby is like, she's not the biggest no. player, not the biggest player. And I said, it's so funny. It reminds me of Messi. Like these players were not the biggest and they're dominating everything like it's how can one player who's not particularly big have so much presence it's incredible like frank kirby's stage presence if that's a kind of thing or aura is absolutely vast there are certain players in world football in both the men's and the women's game that cause as much chaos to the opposition as a puppy at christmas Penilla Harder you know I mean? is another one. Like, yeah, Penilla Harder coming on. Running yeah, yeah, around yeah. everywhere, and everyone's just like, what the fuck? The next minute's got a slipper. Everything scatter. Like, yeah. Everything scatter. You cannot get a grip on her in a game. Like, and if you can't, you might, and if you don't, yeah. that's the thing. The amount of energy and attention that she commands from people in order to be controlled in a, in a, in a, in a defensive sense means that with the quality that Chelsea have, especially in wide areas, I think at the moment, someone else is going to get. It's like, it's like in basketball, for example, when you double team someone and you stick a shooter on the perimeter, you're toast. Yes. Can I say shout out to Chelsea as well, tactically, because they have been trying to work on what, how to handle the Barcelona wide forward problem. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about Jess Carter before this game. There was a lot of talk about, is this going to work? Are they going to attack that space? Like, is, is Viv Miedemar going to get in that space between the wing back and the centre back. And that's what I felt as well. I was concerned about that, but this was not even remotely a problem. There was a lot of talk about Miedemar didn't get going. No, that was isolation. Viv Miedemar did not perform poorly. Viv Miedemar surrounded by three players at any one time. There was no way to get momentum. And you often get this with strikers getting criticised for, they didn't get in the game. How could you get in the game? How could you? There was no passing option, no separation, nothing. There was, she looked forlorn, to be honest. She looked absolutely forlorn because there was no point at which Chelsea, uh, sorry, there was no point at which Chelsea allowed Arsenal to build up any kind of passing momentum, you know, give and go, none of that. And some, can I say as well, one thing that was slightly notable this game as well, some of the tackling, I have to say, like, and this was a frustration, I mean, that yellow, I mean, uh, Beth Mee got the yellow, like there were some yellows for Arsenal early on. Nikita Paris came on and like, you know, a, a poor late challenger. The surface wasn't the best, I know, but still. It felt like these tackles, the late tackles that came in were almost symptomatic of just being a step too slow. Mm-hmm. And Ida, Jonas Eideval, I have to say, this was, um, this was, this was a, how do I say this? This was very worrying, especially with Barcelona coming on Thursday. Um, it was worrying because I think it undid a lot of the good work that Arsenal achieved through the 3-2 victory. I think it achieved, because, because this was, it's one thing being beaten, right, by a close rival. You can take that. But being comprehensively outcoached and outthought, mm. he gave such a good look to Chelsea what he was doing in the previous game. Every single problem was solved. 
Yep. And I think in a funny kind of way, the Chelsea result against Wolfsburg in the Champions League, the really awful three-all draw where they basically were right way ahead, that's a really good result for Chelsea because I think that was good. It kind of stung them into being... Actually, funny enough, like the men's team got stung actually by you know some of the reverses they've had. It stung them into like making improvements. And the scary thing with Chelsea is is how they responded to pressure. That's why I think, you know, going into this Champions League, I'm really excited to see their match up in the later stages because they're going to be very dangerous again. Very dangerous. I mean, I think this is the main worry for us. I mean, before we move on to Arsenal quickly, let's just like give Chelsea their props because I think this was coming. I said it on the, I said it on Thursday. I was just like, I think Chelsea are going to win. With everything that kind of happened between Emma and Jonas with the whole Mm. like knee slide thing. And I think just there's a little bit of, I don't think it's nasty, but I think there's definitely a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of a spiky rivalry developing there already. Oh, without question. And we actually had a couple of people like flag this. And um, first of all, Emma Hayes' comments before the game about saying, you know, the bigger game was always uh, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea in the years that she's been there. And a lot of people kind of took a bit of a, a bit of offence to that. And I didn't really see a problem with that, to be honest, because... Those were the two financially dominant teams in the league that ended up finishing first or second pretty much every season in the last five or six, and apart from when Arsenal won it in 2019. So mm. I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's a wild thing to say because those games usually decided the title. Mm. You know, Arsenal had that dominant period in the 2000s, and one of them was when Emma was there. Two of yep. them, um, two of them were when Emma was there as an assistant. And then you had Chelsea, uh, sorry, Liverpool in the early 2010s. And that was just where Manchester City and Chelsea's dominance came in in the mid 2010s. So I don't think that was a massive dig. It was it was mischief. It was mischievous. It was mischievous. It's, like, it's yeah, almost micromanners. Yeah, but Emma Hayes is quite mischievous in a, in a kind of like a cheeky way, and I don't I don't hate that. Same thing with the thing after the game about Adeval was talking about being suspicious of black cats, and how now he said that that Emma's going to just like unleash a load of black cats and in front of him or something like that. And Emma, I mean, she did. Emma, I was at Wembley. I saw them. That was a thousand black cats at Wembley. <laughs> it was. <laughs> they were just playing in blue. She's exactly. The blue cats. And, and she said that thing afterwards when she said, you know, London is blue. And after that third goal, we were purring and did this kind of like look to camera and purr. But again, I think it's like, I don't think that's nasty shit, Alzheimer. I think that's just kind of cheeky mischievous shit, Alzheimer. And, and it's honest, also saying, you know, it's saying, like, it's, you know it's saying, it's saying, wind your necks in because a little bit, yeah. You've had a good opening to the season and you beat us 3 2, mm-hmm. but come on, let's get real. Like, we know that if City weren't, City weren't so bad with the injuries at this point. That's what she's saying, isn't it? Because look, it was, and she's, she's real. She's like, look, settle down. You're still in transition. I think also some of that was to do with, didn't uh, Adeval say something after? Chelsea he's, lost he's to Barcelona of, in the in the Champions League final and then Arsenal got hammered by Barcelona. He, said, he talked a lot of things. He's talked a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal faced Barcelona at the Emirates this week and it could be a, it could be an extremely bad week for Arsenal. Barcelona are going to be watching that game and those highlights. Like we're out here looking at like, like honestly, when I've not eaten for a while, I'm looking at a tasty snack. That's how Barcelona will be looking at that, at those highlights. They'll be, fe- they'll be preparing to feast on that. Now, I'm not saying that Arsenal can't have a good, really good result on Thursday. I'm saying that there needs to be a very, very quick regrouping. Yep. A very quick learning curve. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, so props to Chelsea. Congrats to Emma Hayes. Yep. Treble winners 2021. Um, let's quickly dive to the Premier League because let's do it. West Ham beat Chelsea 3-2 in an amazing game at London Stadium. What a game. What a game. Premier League was quite, well, to be honest, football everywhere this weekend was chaotic. We'll get on to it. It showed out. It really showed out. 
Huge props to David Moyes. This was a wonderful game of football. The funny thing about this game, very quickly on the West Ham Chelsea, because we know we haven't got too much time today, but one thing to say very quickly, the headline for me was, and I mentioned this on Twitter, West Ham basically moving like an English Atletico Madrid. <laughs> in the most, in the most, and I say that with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect. Weird enough, West Ham are more Atleti this year than Atleti have been this year. Um, just the beauty of having a team where everyone understands their role. Mm. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and Chelsea really, you know, Chelsea showed a lot, to, uh, showed a lot that day. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I thought, was was superb in terms of breaking ground. That's as impressive as I've seen him. But the ability of West Ham to absorb shock is really amazing. Like if you looked at this game at the very beginning, if you saw the first 20 minutes of this game, you couldn't imagine it would end anything less than basically 3-0 to Chelsea. The pressure that was applied, Thiago Silva, when they got the lead, I was like, okay, well, at this point, it could have been 2-0 at half time. Didn't happen. But then of course, Edward Mendy had he just had a, a he just had a bad game, and it's one of those ones where a lot of people again Twitter like social media knee jerks like oh my god well Evan said he'd been goalkeeper year do you know what outstanding goalkeepers have bad games and Mendy is such a good goalkeeper that this will literally be the performance you remember from him it'll be the one and that's it and also like Jorginho with the terrible back pass that led to the penalty there are a few and- people there are a few people around Europe had they were on a journey this weekend. Yeah, they've been on a rip. That's the thing. It was, this was an existential. Was <laughs> Matt's Hummels. We'll talk about that, that later. But... Ex- that's existential, yeah. He yeah. really, yeah. Um, but huge, huge props to to West Ham. There's a great moment in this game when Declan Rice gets a note of tactics from David Moyes and reads it as if it's like one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's fascinating. He's genuinely like, this ex- it's like, has he given him a shopping list? He's like, there was so much David on David Moyes there. had given him like a screenshot of his Klingon Duolingo. The great- <laughs> like, what the hell is this? The great thing was that like West Ham then scored with Masuaku got a swerving shot. Some say it was a cross come shot. Look, let's not be uncharitable. It was just a beautiful, whatever it was. It with great. stuff like this, I'm always just like, who cares? Who cares Went exactly? In. That is the purpose but- of football, right? Is to score yeah. goals. It goes in, don't ask questions. Yeah. West just don't Ham, ask questions. Shut up. Shout out to them and to David Moyes, outstandingly resilient again. And they've now beaten, they're almost like, they're, they're the Uruguay. They're the Uruguay. They're like, <laughs> they've beaten Liverpool now and Chelsea at home. And they've beaten teams that have gone at them. That is, they are, we've said this, they're legit. They're so legit. And I'm so happy with what they're doing. And I hope they maintain this great form. I hope they get some players in for the squad depth because they'll always need, you need that in the running. Mm. But yeah, best of luck to them. I don't know whether yeah. it's just, I mean, obviously I've not been to in the stadium so it's just purely from a watching on television perspective. But if we do have any West Ham fans who go, I'd be really interested to see if whether this feels like home now, because mm. that place sounds loud, and mm. it's and it sounds like it. I always, at, at first, at, for the first while pre-COVID, obviously, it just everyone just felt like, "What the fuck are we here?" Like Upton mm. Park was so good. Why are we here? And I wonder yeah, yeah. now since COVID and West Ham have obviously progressed through COVID, through playing behind closed doors. And now that fans are back, I wonder if it feels like home now. Are we really interested, like compared to before? Yeah, because the atmosphere, it sounded, I mean, I'm not, but it sounded, it sounded loud. loud it sounded man. loud. Yeah, like really loud. But um, West Ham are fourth. Spurs have got a game in hand on them though after their win on the weekend. They beat Norwich 3-0 on Sunday. Mm. absolutely amazing goal from Lucas Moore in this game and like many people tagged us in an angry goal from Davison Sanchez 
Yes, yes. Other results of note from the weekend, Liverpool's uh, with a late, late win over Wolves. Oh, actually on this, I owe an apology. I know this. And for some reason last week, I said Bruno Lager instead of Bruno Lage. And I'm really sorry. I, I usually try and do a lot better than that. If there's one thing about Stadio listeners, though, they do tell us when we're wrong. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> All a bunch of snitches. People snitch on other people and people snitch on us to ourselves. Yes, they do to ourselves. Exactly. You're all a bunch of snitches. <laughs> Man City beating Watford 3-1. Bernardo Silva is lights out at the moment. Ever since Pep praised him, he's been amazing. <laughs> do you know what, Ever since Pep gave him the vote of confidence. Yeah. We can't replace him. Can't replace him. Yeah. Can't replace him. Um, Newcastle got their first win under Eddie Howe. Their first win of the season, beating Burnley 1-0. And Southampton drew one on with Brighton. Brighton got an equaliser in the 95th minute. It was super weird, right? Did you see this? No. So I, I think McCarthy it, no. basically like pulled a hamstring. Brighton had a free kick outside the box. And I think he called James Ward Prowse to drop back to get on the goal line. Free kick hit the wall, but then because James Ward Prowse was playing everyone on, on side, Nightmare. it looked so messy. That was really annoying for Southampton. Leeds, but a good point against Brentford. So shout yeah, out to they them. did. Fifth minute of injury time. Yeah. Patrick Bramford got the equaliser. I wonder what, good for them. wonder what record Thomas Frank gave Marcelo Bielsa after the game. <laughs> uh, Man United beating Palace 1-0 and Ralph Rangnick's first game in charge. Nice clean sheet for United. It's been a while. Yeah. Something like the most offensive, was it the most offensive pressures that Manchester United have made since Ferguson? Or something wild, wild like that. It was stat a wild, wild start afterwards. And after like 45 minutes of training. It's I like when know. Tickle came in and like had Chelsea looking instantly more compact. Yeah. Final shout uh, the, uh, from the Premier League. Villa sorry, beat. it's just funny. It's just, sorry, it's just really funny that like having left the EU, we're still relying on German engineering. Oh, anyway. And he couldn't take charge on Thursday because his work permit was... You know, it burns, it burns. <laughs> oh God. Villa beating Leicester 2-1. And they had a goal disallowed. It's not, it's not a silly law. It's silly in how it's written. There was no pressure around and Schmeichel just had his hand on the ball like he did for a good few mm. seconds. It would be a foul. As Schmeichel goes to put his hand on the ball, Jacob Ramsey is already in the motion of shooting, Yeah, which means Schmeichel doesn't have control of the ball. Just being able to tap the ball as someone's about to shoot is not being in control of the ball. You see, but it, I, I, get, I get it though, because the keeper protection is so... I suppose people feel the protections around keepers have been so reduced that you've got to have something which is just inalienable and which yeah, is... Yeah, but if, if he'd lamped his arm, then yeah, I get it. Like if he'd, if he'd massively booted him in the arm, but he didn't, he just made a contact on the ball. I don't think he even but kicked here's his the thing, arm. If that law was not rigorously pleased, then goalkeepers would get lamped on the arm. Because people know that the rule is so rigorous, it makes everyone hold back a bit more, I think. Do you know what Schmeichel should, should have done? He should have just curled up in a ball facing the crowd on the goal line like De Gea the other day and just prayed. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. But uh, it didn't matter in the end. It's a good win for uh, Stevie G's Villa. Yeah, really, really impressive start for him. Really impressive start. They've been doing all right. He looks, sounds and coaches the part. I've got to say, he really does. They're doing all right. Anything else in the Premier League you want to cover? Oh, last minute winner for Liverpool against Wolves. Divock Origi. I mentioned that. You mentioned it. Yeah, but you can talk about Origi if you want. Go on. Yeah, Divock Origi getting um, a last minute winner for Liverpool. It's just funny because he's someone who's regarded with such, he's like a good vibes footballer. Like he's someone who has these huge high points, but doesn't necessarily kick on, but is completely unafraid of huge moments. And in a funny way, you know, like it sounds a strange comparison, but we had like with Nani at Manchester United, Nani basically would be in a European Champions League final and slot a penalty like it was nothing. Nani would come and decide huge games like it was nothing. Like 
would genuinely be unafraid. But then again, would Sunham score like, you know, four or five goals a season? You'd be like, why isn't this person kicking on? And then part of you is like, well, maybe some players are just quite carefree, you know? Some, it's like some authors have the talent to write, I don't know, 10 best-selling novels. They just write one or two. They're like, yeah, I'm good with that. And you're like, well, why didn't they kick on? Well, maybe, maybe that ability to take the game lightly as not too much is the key to the, to the success. Yeah, shout out to Ariki. Really impressive winner there. Let's take a break and then we'll go to mainland Europe. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, to Germany. Borussia Dortmund 2, FC Bayern München 3. Wild. Was for ein mega Fußballspiel. <laughs> wow, what a game. What a game of football. My goodness. Should we begin at the beginning? No, actually. I want to, I want to say my summary of this game is that Dortmund scored by far the most beautiful goals of the game. And they yet did. Bayern still won 3-2. And that to me says it all about, about those, teams, those two teams, unfortunately. Um, I thought Dortmund were unlucky, to be honest. I thought I that um, I think that this is this is kind of a bit different to the narrative. Well, it isn't. It isn't. I think because of the whole noise around the game afterwards, because there was quite a lot of drama and discourse in Germany, and um, <laughs> even potentially lawsuits that have come out from this game. I think it kind of masked the actual on the field stuff a little bit, which I think is that. <sighs> I think it's very, very easy for people to pop at, have, take pops at Dortmund's mentality. And I actually think in this game, they applied themselves really well. They didn't really let themselves get bullied by Bayern. I'm really frustrated by this result for that reason, actually, because I felt like Dortmund did so much that was excellent. And it's too easy to, see individ- it's too easy to say individual errors. But we said this before, Mats Hummels had. Yeah, he had a bit of a journey, huh? And this is the frustration, I think, and I said this on Twitter, the frustration with Dortmund, actually, if you look closely, is that the most experienced players actually make some of the worst mistakes, the mistakes that you'd expect a rookie to make. And the youngest players, or the ones even that haven't been playing that much, like Julian Brandt hasn't had the most games, the most minutes, but he's come in and applied himself so well, so, so well, creatively. He's slotted in beautifully. He's producing the form that many of us hoped he would on the, you know, the biggest stages now, scored a delightful goal in this game. Beautiful goal, yeah. 
Dortmund adapted so well to the absence of Erling Haaland. And they won't get full credit for that because this defeat will overshadow it. But the frustration with, I think, what Hummels did was that at no point did I sense there was a kind of command. And we, we saw this with, um, you know, but with Liverpool, before Liverpool made a couple of big signings in the Klopp era, we saw individual players exposed by the system the Klopp was playing who couldn't handle it. And the moment he plugged those gaps by buying upgrades, the gap was closed. And the frustration for Dortmund, actually, for me, the real frustration is a couple of different um, uh, upgrades. This doesn't happen. It's different results. It's simple as that. Because, for example, Gregor Kobol made a save that I don't think Roman Burki makes. Mm-hmm. With the footwork on the top. So you see the upgrade in goal for Dortmund is obvious and they haven't upgraded at centre-back. And that and it's, it's very easy to say this, but I do believe that's what cost them. Yeah, I, I think also having them. a lot of players come back in who have been out for a while, like Rafa Guerrero, Erling Haaland, Emre Can, Mo Dehu, they've all been out. And I think that, you know, they looked a little bit leggy, understandably. They can't, uh, Marco Rosa actually came out this morning to, in his press conference ahead of the final Champions League game this week saying that they can't play for full games at the moment because they've, mm. they've been out so long. Um, but I, I thought, I saw a few people saying that Bayern had played quite well and I actually massively disagreed. I thought Bayern were really I poor. Disagree. I think that maybe two and a half of the goals were, were completely gifted by Dortmund. I agree. Um, Mats Hummels on the first has loads of time to play a pass, manages to get it intercepted or blocked by Thomas Muller who then runs onto it and then um, Lewandowski scores. It's a really, really poor error and someone with the ball-playing ability of Mats Hummels shouldn't be making. Not at all. Especially, like you said, a player that experience. The second one, he gets it kind of like lumped in the chest when then falls to... Who put it away? I can't remember now. Uh, well, Kings are common. Like just before no, half-time. No one took responsibility. With that, the, I think the second was almost worse because there were three or four Dortmund players mm. who could have stepped to the ball who didn't mm-hmm. call for it and didn't take responsibility, take charge. But yeah, like Bayern didn't really, until they were gifted that goal, I mean, this is the problem. Dortmund took a, a, be- a lead with a beautiful um, goal from Brandt and then they just didn't consolidate that lead. I know, this is the frustration. That's a major issue. Hold the lead, hold the lead for 10 minutes, 15 minutes at least. But they didn't do How that. How many times have I talked about this Dortmund side over the last year or so saying that they remind me of that late 2000s Arsenal? Because they have the talent there to hurt teams, but they have this, yeah. this willingness to self-destruct. And I think that in this game, it happened a little bit more individually and then collectively later when, you know, Marco Rosa got sent off because of the disagreement for the penalty decision. Which was actually understandable. Do you know, weirdly enough, I am more sympathetic to the way Dortmund disintegrated in this game. I'm more sympathetic to it just because... They were hard done by, I think. Yeah, they, they were exact, exact, I do think they were hard done by, actually. Um, I mean, let's talk about this because basically there was, get, I think there was a, a Robert Lewandowski clothesline on Erling Haaland in the first half that didn't get reviewed for VAR. Right. Which very, very easily could have been given as a penalty. Mm. There was a second decision in the second half when Marco Royce goes through and gets fouled by uh, Lucas Hernandez. Mm. This didn't get reviewed from v- by VAR. And a lot of people were saying that it was because Holland was offside. However, that didn't get checked. Mm. The referee, Felix Svaya, after the game came out and said um, that he just didn't think there was enough contact. Didn't even mention the offside. And it might have been reviewed and then not given because of the offside but it wasn't even checked for that he said that he didn't feel like it was enough contact it wasn't deemed a clear and obvious error and therefore it wasn't reviewed the Bayern penalty for Hummels's handball uh, Thomas Muller got a little bit annoyed at questions about this after the game he looked like he was actually quite spiky he was quite funny 
But when um, is he not? When exactly. is he not? <laughs> I think it's a penalty. But I also could have understood why it wasn't given. There was one in the first half. Alfonso Davis had a kind of like a kind of similar risk. Yeah, when he slides in, slides in. Yeah, yeah. and that wasn't given. On Munio, yeah. yeah. And I think this is the thing that like, it's clearly not deliberate, but by the letter of the law. That's a penalty. It's a penalty. In defence. That happens so fast. And him and uh, Matt, Matt Hummels and Thomas Muller are both jostling for the ball there. And Thomas Muller's contact on Matt Hummels kind of like pushes him mm. down a little bit. It's not a foul from Thomas Muller, I don't think. Hummels' arm then, he, Hummels has got his head down. He kind of leans and his, the ball hits him on the, almost like the elbow-ish, right? I think it's a penalty. It's one of those that's like, oh, that's so unfortunate. But yeah, that's a penalty. But that I think this is the problem with the fallout. Uh, Rosa had already been booked. He then got sent off after the, the after Lewandowski puts the penalty away. Uh, Svaya, after the game, kind of says that it was due to repeated unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, you could see him. You could see he'd said plenty of things. Yeah, I mean, Rennie Maric had to, like uh, Seb Stafford-Bohr said, like the thing that we've taken away from this game is that Rennie Maric can deadlift Marco Rosa because he just had to literally literally pick him up and carry him away. Yeah. So I think that the Bayern penalty was a penalty, like I've said. Mm. I think if Haaland's heel is offside for the Royce penalty, then so be it. But that needs to get checked. Yeah. I think the Haaland one from Lewandowski needs to get checked. Yeah. And I think that the, the Alfonso Davis handball, if the Lewandowski one, uh, sorry, if the Hummels one is given for Bayern, then the Davies one has to be checked. And I think this is the main issue about it. I don't think anyone's, apart from maybe from the Dortmund camp, I don't think anyone's really disputing that the penalty awarded to Bayern was a penalty. I think as anything with this is the inconsistency. This isn't a popular referee. This is a referee who was involved in the... Uh, match fixing scandal of 2005 there's a great video that Tifo did if you want to go and check out a quick explainer on that we won't go into it now this wasn't really disclosed until 2014 he has refereed many Dortmund games since yeah this is quite a historical thing with Dortmund though and Bayern and I think that for those who are who aren't super um in tune with the the rivalry, there's been a few big decisions over the last few years that have gone extremely towards Bayern, and it is yeah. a little bit of a narrative in the Bundesliga that Bayern get the rub of the green. I just think that if all of them had been checked, no one would be talking about it. No, that's fair. That's fair. Jude Bellingham, he basically questioned the integrity of the referee because of his involvement in the match fixing scandal, which was, I would say, unwise. I agree. I think it was unwise. I think it was unwise. I agree. I think it's one of those things where there is a central point to be made here and a central issue to debate whether a referee that has been involved in something like that, I would say allegedly, but it has been disclosed. I think there is a, there is a point of debate there. I don't think it should be off the back of this, if that makes no. sense. I mean, it, even legendary, legendary Berliner and now retired Bundesliga referee Manuel Grefer, who was probably the best, well, undoubtedly the best ref in the league, who retired at the end of last season, he was on TV kind of echoing that point that if you have been found to be involved in a scandal like this, you should not be allowed to referee at the top level. I don't think that's a massively wild take. It's not a massively, yeah, it's not a hot take. I think it's just, it's just not a conversation that needs to happen in the immediate aftermath of this of game. This, just, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's my, my thoughts. And I thought that yeah. Bayern were... They weren't really good value for the win. It was quite a messy no. game, but Dortmund really need to just calm down a little bit, go through to the winter break, still within touching distance of Bayern. You know, they're still only four points off. 
And I know there's a lot of ifs and buts, but you know, as we've seen with Bayern this season, they can wobble. Just Dortmund wasted two superb goals, Ryan. They did. Two of the best goals you'll see this season at high level. Yep. The Brandt finish and the Holland finish with the right foot. And that's a big deal for Holland because there's a couple of times in big games against um, Bayern where he hasn't always showed out, right? Like where he might feel I could have finished that. So for him, that was a huge moment, a breakthrough moment to get that goal. Um, yeah, just a frustrating afternoon for them. But anyway. I agree. Yeah. And I think that the, the, for all the noise about the referee and the decisions and stuff like that, I think it was uh, two and a half, two and a quarter big individual errors yeah. cost the game. I'm not sure if the, if the handball can go down as a massive, massive error because it's... I don't think so. It's just one of those. But the first two... Yeah. Uh, or maybe collective error for the second, but I think the, the yeah, the fact that Bayern didn't really have to work for their goals is the thing that Dortmund should be focusing on as, apart from the decisions. But um, it was very spiky and it was a really fun game for a neutral. But yeah, let's go to another wild game in the Bundesliga this weekend. My goodness, yeah, yeah. Borussia Mönchengladbach, nil. Sport Club Freiburg, six. And it was six nil at half time. A day what this, this is wild. Gladbach, this is the same team that beat a full strength Bayern. What, 5 5 nil? Wasn't the clown show. Freiburg just flew out of the blocks. Yeah. Do you know what? They looked extremely good to the point where they were three up in 12 minutes. And I, and I think after that, Gladbach just didn't really have a clue what hit them. But Freiburg seemed uh, more powerful, fast, faster more on it but they were it was a third it was a third or fourth goal where there's a header back across goal and a header in the near post it was just like the speed that we're covering ground was just on a different level which was a big deal for Freiburg because they've had they've had a stumble in a couple of the last couple yeah, of weeks yeah I mean this is it's worth noting that this is the this is the side still with the best Bundesliga the best defensive record in the Bundesliga despite three straight defeats they'd had before this and remember before that they were the only unbeaten team in the Bundesliga and I think that this is a statement win mm. this is a big statement win because I mean, Gladbach have been all over the place this season. They lost the derby to Köln last week. It's the biggest derby defeat in 25 years. They've shipped 10 in two games. Max Abel, the Gladbach sporting director, came out afterwards and was basically just shot down any idea of uh, Adi Hütter getting fired. He said, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're going to fire managers after two bad results, then, you know, basically what is football? Yeah. Wow. I mean, Max Abel is obviously is one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best sporting directors in the Bundesliga. Yeah. He's no clown. He's not. Very smart guy. Nice balance of fiery and level-headed. And also knowing exactly when to sell. <laughs> exactly. We love to see it. Yeah, Freiburg were just unbelievable. Like the DAZN commentary could not believe it. There were a lot of vans in. Vans in. <laughs> you know, when you're watching Spanish up, they go, oh, yo, 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 yo. Similar thing. There was basically one after about 20 minutes and it said, um, oh no, it was after the fifth one went in. SC Freiburg became the first away team in Bundesliga history to score five goals in the opening 25 minutes. Mm. Bundesliga geschickter, Musa. But, uh, wow, absolutely. But yeah, there's you know what a I love moment. About the, what I love about Bundesliga commentary is they commentate like, you know those like, they commentate like those like, those old dudes, those uncles in a pub that watch a load of football and don't say much, but you're like, so when they're really excited at something that's special, you can tell. And I love it. It's that same kind of very measured, slightly reserved. Yeah. When they like pulled that stat out on zone, there was a great thing where he just said, uh, my, colleague, my colleagues here have pulled out an unbelievable stat from like the, the, the seller. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Massive props to Freiburg. They're back in the top four. 
Yeah. They really needed to stop that run of form because they were in danger of undoing a really strong start to the season, especially because Hoffenheim had, had basically gone into the top four the day before. Union are pushing up there after beating uh, Leipzig on Friday. Yes. Uh, and mines, result, and mines was, are really yeah. up there, you know. So yeah, 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 um, yeah. just very, very quickly before we move on, Leverkusen beat Greuther Foot 7-1. Patrick Schick getting four goals. Listen, anyone that underrates Patrick Schick, they know the Czech Republic are scorping in the soccer every single major tournament. Shouts to James Horncastle and Andy Brassel. Every time I hear about Patrick Schick, the original goal bay, that was what he was on, on, on the continent <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, huge result for Union uh, beating RB Leipzig. Well, it is, it's not huge for Union anymore because Union are just doing great things routinely now. Shout out to Urs Fischer. But this result is a huge result in the sense that it was fatal for Jesse Marsh. Yeah, Jesse Marsh parted ways with RB Leipzig with mutual consent. I kind of feel for Jesse Marsh here, to be honest. Uh, a lot of stuff's come out saying that he went to them twice in the autumn, saying that he wasn't sure if he was the right fit for this squad. Wow, okay. That's interesting. I think, well, let's say after two years under Nagelsmann and the changing personnel, Leipzig had kind of started to shift away a little bit from what they deemed to be like the Red Bull way. And Jesse Marsh has been primed for this gig for a while. It was either a little bit too soon or I think he could have probably done another stint as assistant before moving in. But when you've been a head coach at uh, at Red Bull Salzburg, it seems like a natural fit. I just think that this year, and I think we said this on the podcast, uh, if not, we did it in private, but I think it was a very brave move from, from, from Leipzig because you've seen how all over the place last season's top four has been this season. Mm. Uh, well, top six, I say, you know, uh, Gladbach, Eintracht, struggling, very patchy yep. form. There's been a little bit of misinformation about the depth of Leipzig's squad. I don't think it's as bare bones as people have made out because of the sales. I think they've brought in some really good players and also they were, they were very, very happy with the, the squad at the beginning of the season. They were saying this is, yeah. a, this is a squad that's ready to compete. Jesse Marsh always seems, he's always struck me as a nice guy though. He always seems like a good dude, he, you know, he, but he, um, uh, yeah, I think, I just think it was one step a little bit too soon. That Leipzig gig. Sacked before Christmas though. This is the, it's going to be well, a long way back. Uh, well, also, I think this is where the thing is on Leipzig at the moment is that they're kind of a little bit of a mess at the moment compared to where they have been in terms of structure and stability. And mm. I think if they'd gone for Marsh, then they needed to commit to the process. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think it's one of those, yes, Marsh could have done a better job. This sounds like typical Ryan fencing. I think Marsh could have done a better job with the players that he had at his disposal. I think he showed quite a good self-awareness to go to them and say, listen, I'm not sure if I'm the right fit for this. But also, they made the decision to hire him. And I know that there are a few of the candidates that were in for that, that may have done a better job with that squad. That's on them. That's yep. on them, really. And... um I think it's only the second time they fight a manager mid-season though. Akin Bailutz is going to take charge for the rest of the year I think until they find a replacement. But um, oh, the Bundesliga man. Sir, never dull, never dull. Uh, shout out to St. Pauli by the way. Pulling yeah, clear at the top of this fight yep, at Bundesliga. Yep, yep, yep. Let's jump very, very quickly to La Liga just to mention that Real Sociedad were beaten by Real Madrid 2-0 in a huge game for both clubs. Mm. Um, and Vinicius stepping up yet again Symbolically, Benzema going off with an injury, Jovic coming on. And it's so interesting. And we said before, Benzema criticizing Vinicius, you know, quite brutally last year about not stepping up. And this year, Vinicius stepping up. And the um, Spanish football podcast tweeted, they couldn't remember a player having such a leap forward mm. in one season, a young player like Vinicius. And I actually compared that to Nicolas Anelka, mm. funnily enough. In terms of the leap from uh, Paris Saint-Germain to Arsenal, 
like fronting, fronting like uh, a challenge on a couple of fronts. It feels like Nicholas and Elka. And I say that with the greatest compliment, like the goal Vinicius got finishing at the near post and just being so dangerous throughout. He's just been an absolute joy to watch this year. Yeah, you so really shout out to Real. That's a massive victory for them. Huge defeat for Atleti oh against Mallorca. Oh my goodness. Huge defeat. Yeah. Going one up through Cunha. Uh, Cunha, you know, he's got a couple of goals now for Atleti. So he's showing some interesting signs. It's funny because he gave it the most Atleti celebration, like sort of, you know, fist pumping, badge pummeling, like, and then... Kubo, who's actually like, um, you know, the lineage of Real Madrid lineage coming up with a big winner to help uh, a club that um, he's attached to. So yeah, bad, bad result for Atleti and Barcelona losing to Betis, uh, the camp now. And really Xavi, you know, Xavi really showing that there are personal problems at Barcelona. Um, just, you know, that you can, again, with, with Barcelona under Xavi, you see the green shoots, you see the opportunities, you see the possibility. That result's been coming. Yeah. Though. You see what Barca can do. You see the positive parts, but also like they're a team that need restructuring. They need investment. They need new blood. Betis have gone above Atleti now. Betis are a third. You've got the two Seville clubs in second and third in La Liga, which is unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Hector Bellerin, every, every game he plays, he does something very interesting. I have to say that. Hector and Betis is just... It works. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, Sevilla have got a game in hand. They're eight points off... Real Madrid at the top of La Liga. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Before we go to Serie A, can we uh, yes. very, 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 very quickly yeah. just shout out the return leg of that wild Liga MX game that I mentioned the other day. Leon ended up going through against Tigres. Tigres, yeah. After all that. And also, let's go to MLS very quickly before we wrap up in Serie A. New York City FC won their first conference title and they are through to the MLS Cup final against the Portland Timbers who beat Real Salt Lake uh, 2-0 on the weekend. New York City FC beat Philadelphia Union 2-1. Seven years since they were launched and their first bit of silverware in the league. The MLS Cup final is on the 11th of December. Let's go to the Serie A. Okay, look, there's only one game to talk about here. Always watch Atalanta. Never miss Napoli. See, I disagree here. But anyway, continue. Please your case. <laughs> Only because, <laughs> what I will say is this, when a game absolutely delivers on everything you expected of it, Napoli playing Atalanta, you're like, that can't be as exciting as it threatens to be. And it really was. It really was everything you'd want it to be. Everyone stepping up creatively, defensively, or not as the case may be. Malinowski with, it was almost like paint by numbers, like Malinowski <laughs> with like a beauty from distance. It was all there. Like everything it was like, no, check. Malinowski, check. Like, Late winner for Atlanta, check. After a comeback, check. Like, it was just unbelievable. I texted Prismo you, didn't I, saying check. that I missed the, uh, the Demerale goal because I was making a oh cup of tea goodness. and I came back and then uh, when Freuler scored, I was just like, oh, they've equalised. And then I looked up at the score and I was just like, holy shit, hang on a minute. Where did I... I mean, <laughs> Demerale finished. Like, remember like Belletti, Belletti. Oh no, I hate to bring that up in the Champions League final, but, oh, but Belletti, like, you, you know, these like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Too soon. It's only 15 years ago. Sorry. No, like, you know, like Batistuturic. Oh no, another goal oh, well, against Arsenal. What the hell sorry, is wrong with you? Sorry. sorry. I was trying to think of like really good finishes by fullbacks or finishes like high into the net and I thought, oh no, but it's like, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Demerale with a gorgeous finish. Um, and this is now, it's sad because Napoli, that two losses in big games actually against uh, Inter now mm. and Atalanta, and they've slipped two points back now. Look, only 16 games gone of the season. 
And now it's the thing is about I love about Serie A is you've got four teams within four points of each other. We've got a four way title race in Serie A, man. Yeah, and those teams are all legit. And Atlanta, they've been moving up on the outside rail. Mm-hmm. They had a slightly wobbly they start, really right? But now, season, yeah. but now they're like, look, they've reconfigured. You consider they lost Papu Gomez. They've got less. They're putting less stock in Ilicic now. Wasn't starting. They've got Pesina in the mix. Zapata's looking really good. Malinowski. It's just. Atlanta just reconfiguring in style. Illichich was great when he came on, by the way, in this game. He was, he was, he was. Well. Really happy for him and his form. Yeah, yeah. Spalletti wasn't on the touchline because he was serving a touchline ban. Yeah. Uh, these say our managers are all very naughty. But just seeing these two sides go up against each other, I think this was, I think this weekend probably had three of the most, three of the best games in Serie A this season. This one was unbelievable. I think even though the game itself wasn't particularly close but Roma losing 3-0 at home to Inter which saw Inter go second Dzeko getting the second goal Chalanoglu nutmegging Rui Patricio from a corner for the first goal absolutely wild uh, Dzeko didn't celebrate obviously and then uh, Denzel Dumfries with a really brave header at the back post it was a really lovely goal that and uh, Nicolas Agnolo hitting one into the side netting that completely fooled the Spanish commentator to the point where he was just like Goal for ages, and then they were just <laughs> then they saw a replay and went, "Oh no, no!" It was actually in the side netting, and it fooled the It's more about the aftermath of this game, to be honest, because isn't it always <laughs> the Cobra is splitting again? Can I be honest with you? Jose Mourinho's late career feels like a private equity, like only like. The stock that he's buying and selling off fast is his own career. Like, it's what it feels like him getting sacked is like an IPO moment each time. Dude, he's, it's he's, weird. It's so he's, weird. He's gonna when he's gonna be Newcastle Severance manager. Payments. He's gonna be Newcastle manager at one point. He will be. And he also said to a journalist that he wasn't going to answer questions and that he had they had an easier job than him, which is why he gets paid more. Put it this way: How would Jose Mourinho judge another manager? Let's say the young Jose Mourinho coming into football. Well, we saw he did it with Wenger. A manager who's won two Champions Leagues who then goes from job to job and keeps struggling to like recapture the old magic. Mourinho would be so brutal to that person. And it's, it's funny because other managers, and this is, the, this is something about the class of other managers, they haven't come out and given it that because they know how tough it is to manage clubs. And I, I just wish with Mourinho that he had more grace in the sense that every manager has to call time eventually, unless of course you're Otmar Hitzfeld or you're Pinkus, in which case you never ever lose the winning, the winning mentality or whatever, the winning opportunity or possibility. But I just wish, and it's a futile hope that Mourinho showed a bit more grace because if he had done that earlier, there'd be a lot more grace shown to him, I think. Do you know what Jose Mourinho's career is? It's a Fibonacci sequence. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It is. And we are like right in the center of the spiral now. <laughs> we are oh, uh, we oh, can't yeah. talk about Jose because we need to talk about the Venetian derby which was unbelievable uh, Venezia 3 Hellas Verona 4 probably the other absolute standout game well there was also Bologna Fiorentina though as well there was, Seat is on one this season it's absolutely it is, amazing it well it's been on one for a while actually to be honest last year too back to back so Venezia were actually 3-0 up before um, Cetaroni got sent off for an unbelievable save on the goal line after putting them ahead, Hellas had already got a goal back, but at this point, uh, from a Thomas Henry own goal, scored the penalty after that handball. Uh, Giovanni Simeone equalised and then scored an absolute wonder goal with like five minutes to go. 
When does he not? He's <laughs> unbelievable at the moment, man. He's it's very much on lights one. out. What a league, man. Super fun this year. Are we going to swear over everything else this week? There was so much on, but I think we've touched upon the bulk of it. There are only five places up for grabs on Tuesday and Wednesday in the Champions League. So maybe we'll do a mailbag for Thursday, Champions League mailbag. Yeah, why not? Should we bounce? Let's do it. Um, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting back. Well and safe. Care. Well and safe. Well and safe. Pay some power. Pay some power. And triple jab. <laughs> Uh, don't forget stadio.football scroll to the bottom sign up for our newsletter no writers house this week as we mentioned at the top of the show stadio back on Thursday if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review please do so be very kind and obviously check the ringer.com forward slash soccer we'll probably both have a couple of pieces going up this week or attempting yeah, to yeah I've got to pitch something yeah yeah we'll see we'll see stadio actress players on Spotify don't forget to follow that if you want to listen to all the music we play out with we're playing out on an absolute beauty of a cover version of an absolute classic from Fallon Jennings all night long absolutely love it anything you want to add me sort of conga? nothing further ha 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 alright everyone much love we'll be back Thursday till then take it easy see you then Shit,